Hey everybody, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and we've got two guests this week. I think this is the first time. We've, we've done the one guest many times, never two guests. But it's a very special episode, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of episode, too, where I think y- you need two guests, because it's, it's really a, a double whammy, if you will. So joining us... I've got Max Nostorovich, who you know from Good Brews, Bad Views. See, I told you I'd say your podcast name right when fuck it up. Uh, Max, how you doing? <laughs> it only took you like three times me being on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the, the, the Bad Beers Great Cinema podcast, and you can listen to that uh, on your Microsoft Zoom. Also joining us... Uh, you... I had a Zoom. I take offense to that. <laughs> I think the Zune, the Zune was a good, it was a good value prop, okay? You didn't get the flashy Apple stuff, but it was cheaper and uh, less prone to problems, in my experience, and uh, people seem to like the audio fidelity, so yeah, fuck the Zune haters. Even though, weren't they like, they were brown, weren't they? Like, just like Only an ugly... One, well, one of them was like swamp brown. I did not okay. have that one. Yeah. I just had like the black and blue one. Yeah, Adam Myros, uh, he definitely had throughout college, he would carry around this, this like swamp ass doo doo brown zune. So I, I know all about it. It wasn't just swamp ass brown, it was swamp ass brown with like a translucent green overcoat. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. I don't stuff. know how that passed the design phase. It's like an oil slicked puddle in a, in a grocery store parking lot. I don't know much about Myros, but that, that scans from what I yeah. know about him. Yeah, he's it's about right. I'd say so. He's a he's a doo doo brown MP3 player kind of guy. Uh, oh, by the way, this is this is Claire Higginbottom. Uh, you know her as Claire to the Max on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and uh, she's a himbo historian. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say so. And I also just kind of like parasite onto other people's podcasts, so I don't have to start my own. That's the that's the best way to do it because then you have no responsibility. There's zero expectations, and you just you just jump in. And you could be that shining beacon of light, and th- and then you go away, and everybody's like, "We want more Claire," but you just you yeah. just kind of give them little breadcrumbs, right? You can't oversaturate the market. It's kind of like how you don't want to own your own boat; you want to have a friend with a boat. Exactly. And luckily, I have a lot of you know white dude friends that want to talk into microphones. Yeah. How many how many white guys do you know in their thirties? Uh, and that's the number of podcasts that you have the opportunity to guest on. So exactly. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. Well, and it works too. The Claire magic is is real shit. Because Max, what is the number one downloaded episode of your podcast? Well, uh, most recently it was the special of you and Claire and I and uh, Dave talking about cats after we were <laughs> drinking heavily and watched cats. Yeah, that's it's really good. So if if you want a really nuanced decision of which cat probably fucks the most. Uh, it's there for you, and you you could check that out. Serial mascot. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, yeah. that somehow gets thrown in there. So, oh, uh, Jack's with us too, by the way. Hi, Jack. How you doing? Hey, it's good to be here, Steve. I apologize in advance. I think this episode is my fault. This uh, this is entirely your fault. Well, I mean, 
you kind of brought this to our attention and then I got very, very excited because you got very excited. Extreme. Like there's only been a few things in the history of optimism vaccine that I've got really excited about. I think the last time I was this excited was when we heard that Severin was going to be releasing the sinful dwarf on Blu-ray. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what a sinful now. dwarf is, but I need one. <laughs> and yeah, that worked out great. Uh, which, by the way, if, if you're into dwarves that are sinful and also seeing unwiped buttholes on your screen, uh, sinful dwarf is great for that. So just I live with well, two PSA. cats. I see enough unwiped buttholes. <laughs> it's it's somehow it's worse than that. amount of overlap. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think, Jack, you just like. You found the was it the poster or or like the the it was it was the poster for the barbarians and I was just like it's the funniest thing I'd ever seen so of course I shared it with you and then you found out they had multiple films and interviews and it just spiraled out of control from there yeah because I got I got really deep into barbarian brothers lore because when you see a poster with two just tan jacked boys and it says the barbarians starring the barbarian brothers like okay my interest has been peaked and then once you google and you start going down that rabbit hole that's when things get really interesting so if you guys will indulge me i'm going to give you a little bit of barbarian brother lore here to kind of set the stage is that cool i wish you would have given this to me like friday afternoon but yeah (laughs) well you can this is all available on youtube uh i I, i've been trying to document it actually on on twitter uh just good barbarian brother knowledge so steve steve is it fair to say that these these big boys started in our smallest state that's all i know they they did they did indeed you know they were born in connecticut but uh they they spent a lot of time in in rhode island and I guess they were they were a little chubby as children and they decided and, and they've worked this into all of their movies as well. They like to remind you that uh, in, in their world, you could you could either, I don't know, get your ass kicked or get jacked. And they chose getting jacked. And boy, did they ever get jacked. They're fucking huge. And so once they got adequately jacked as teenagers, they actually opened their own gym uh, and. and allegedly according to one of the barbarian brothers in an interview that i was listening to because this is how i spend my free time they went to the the gym at rhode island university and they stole all of the mirrors from the gym and then they hung them up in their own gym the barbarian brother gym (laughs) and that's how they got their start just stealing very cool. That's a beautiful American story. That is. That's the American dream. You're just because like if two ridiculously jack dudes just walk in and start taking shit off the wall, who's going to tell them? No, certainly not me. Certainly not college gym people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If I'm getting paid minimum wage to like look after a gym, I don't like someone half the size of the Barbarian Brothers could come in and be like, I'm going to take all this shit. And I'd be like, all right, fine. How, yeah. how many American businesses got their start pillaging an institution of learning? All Do you not know what capitalism is? <laughs> See, it's, it's a the whole thing. thing. It's, it's it fantastic. Is. This is this is what our country was founded upon. So they continued to get jacked, and then they decided it's not enough to be just jacked. Um, this was a period where Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of blew up. He had done uh, pumping iron and the entire West Coast bodybuilding scene was really exploding. And on top of that, Arnold had started to transition into movies. And the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing is important here because I want you to remember Arnold Schwarzenegger 
limited English at first. Okay, not great, not great. Where does he get his start? Well, he does Hercules in New York, and he does Conan. Okay, both of both of these films, and the Conan sequel too, they require very little from him in terms of actual acting. Okay, he's just a big physical presence because that's what he does best. Then later on, he sort of transitioned into more comedic roles. And honestly, Arnold's a funny guy. Like Arnold comedy, I will go to bat for. Now, this is significant because the Barbarian Brothers, they sort of took it. they They did a reverse Arnold. And I guess you could call their career kind of reverse Arnold as well in terms of the trajectory, because they said, wow, we're really funny and articulate. And that's a dubious claim. Uh, But they (laughs) they decided, let's be we're funny. We're going to be in these action movies, but we are funny guys. We're we're hilarious. And so they made their way to Hollywood and uh, they, they continue to work out of the gym. They were kind of like. I don't know, just sort of like a gimmick. They got interviewed on the news all the time. They were called the Lumberjack Brothers because uh, they didn't have a lot of workout clothes. They would always wear flannel uh, when they would work out, just full flannel outfits. Was flannel just cheap in the 80s? Like, I I don't know the economic reason why flannel would be the most plentiful. I was thinking it was like a Rhode Island thing. (laughs) I'm not sure. It would make more sense if they were from the Midwest. That would, you know, I, I could yeah. see like Jack Midwestern guys just going to the uh, going to the the gold gym and just lifting in flannel and and suspenders, mm-hmm. just defying expectations from just straight out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Incredible men, incredible men. And, uh, you know, they they started to land a bunch of TV spots. They would go on like local talk shows like, oh, it's Wake Up L.A. with Susie whatever. And they would go on there and like rip phone books and lift up chairs and talk about being Jack dudes and shit like that. (laughs) Now, this was their way to parlay into film roles. So they got uh, kind of minor roles in in D.C. Cab, which is like a Mr. T movie from the early 80s. But their first big role was a starring role in a little movie called The Barbarians. The internationally renowned bad boys of bodybuilding, Peter and David Paul. Get out of here. He's loud. Get out. I'm too loud. I'm too loud. The Barbarians feel the power. Are we feeling the power, guys? You feeling that? Bad boys of bodybuilding, and, and they're inter- they're internationally known. They are not. Do we have that? Yeah, yeah. To, internationally, they were known as like being like breaking the rules of bodybuilding, whatever those would. Be. I mean, I, I'm confused. I don't know what that entails. Th- this this was an international film. It was filmed in Italy uh, from the director of Cannibal Holocaust. So uh, f- from the guy who brought you, I'm gonna kill a tortoise and film it. Comes the Barbarian <laughs> Brothers. He's apologized for that since, but I don't know if he ever apologized for this one. No, that's, that's, doesn't seem likely. I mean, I don't think there's anything to be to apologize for. <laughs> no, it's like, does somebody here not like Jack dudes? Or uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Look, just right out the gate, we'll get into the nitty gritty. This film doesn't, like the story of this film doesn't make any sense. So literally the opening scene is describing how a king gave up his kingdom for a secret jewel that would protect his people. And he mm-hmm. understood that was more important than riches. And now his people just travel the land because they have the jewel that protects them. And the very first scene is them getting just attacked by a couple of guys and horses and getting 
the shit kicked out of them mm-hmm. and they have to hide the jewel is there an ex- what does the jewel do and then the rest of the movie is them finding the jewel again which didn't work in the first scene well the jewel the jewel is it's like a treasure troll thing right and if it fits in your belly button then you get to be the queen <laughs> Duh. Yeah, yeah, but the person who would fit in is there, and she doesn't do. She she just gives it to someone else and tells him to jump off a horse wagon and fucking run. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It just it's the jewel of ultimate power. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 troop of people are pretty much like the world's first group of podcasters because they're just going around and doing <laughs> whimsical shit and stuff, and they're attacked they're by the fantasy equivalents of Mad Max villains with their garish costumes and. Uh, high-speed, dangerous chase scenes. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's... I don't know. Of, of all the four movies that we're going to talk about today, this is one of the better ones, in my opinion. But I'd like to think that the Magic Ruby is kind of like a Chaos Emerald from Sonic. And it's similar, yeah. King slash Sorceress, who are the bad guys, are like Dr. Robotnik, and we got to keep it away from them. Where where does that put uh, the the Dust Master or what's what's his name? Uh, the Dirt Master. <laughs> the Dirt <Yeah>. Master. <laughs> Michael Berryman of of Hills of Eyes fame. Yeah, just <laughs> the Dirt Master. Well, what are we gonna call this character who runs a dirt mine? Oh, well, we gotta call him the Dirt Master. It's the. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. To be fair, Steve, he seems to have low self-esteem throughout the whole movie. He just he seems like he just doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's really he just tortures the brothers. Uh, the brothers are kidnapped. We should clarify early in the movie. They're 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 kidnapped and they're brought up until they're burly men, mm-hmm. uh, which happens. And the dirt master oversees them and tortures them. But then when they break free, he seems really pleased about it. So he's kind of like his own agent of chaos, frankly. And I think it's just because he doesn't really. <laughs> doesn't really enjoy his job and he's not quite sure what's going on yeah he's actually he's only my second favorite character my favorite character in this is um uh is the the peewee herman going to coachella guy uh he's he's the head of the the traveling (laughs) ruby holders but he has this great line all of his lines are good his name is what is it like eros or something like that but he's got this great line where he's overdubbed the whole time so everything he says is very dramatic and the barbarian brothers show up to to this camp okay and and originally when the when the belly button ruby was stolen the barbarian brothers were just little babies and then they were they were raised into the the muscular himbos that they are today and when they return to the the traveling camp that coachella peewee herman runs he says this stay where you are fatty Which is just like, again, these guys have like negative 12% body fat. They're fucking. This scans, though. (laughs) Steve, this scans that maybe just in this realm, because no one else in the movie is jacked like these dudes are. Maybe they just don't understand because later on in the movie, a guy specifically challenges them to an arm wrestle. Mm-hmm. So like, which is like the what you know, and he's like, I'll just you know, I'll tell you what, you can have this amazing deal, but only if you can beat me in an arm wrestling contest. And it's like, of all the people in the planet, yeah. you decided that's where what you're gonna do. Maybe these guys just don't understand that kind of a muscular. Like, you get to a certain point, they're like, he's just a fat fuck. Clearly, yeah. I I would challenge these guys to a round of uh, high school quiz bowl personally, but uh, what do I, I would know? Challenge them to would just chase me for a while. I don't think it would like. I think that would work fine. Yeah, I think like the villagers here really subscribe to like the BMI is really like the paradigm of health. <laughs> like they've definitely yeah. topped out the height weight scale, which shows them as probably morbidly obese. Yep. Even though, you know, that's true. 
Yeah. It's true. He may as well have challenged them to just lift up something heavy several times. Like, it's just <laughs> absolutely... In the, and this is like yeah. a pivotal moment of like, where are we going to get weapons? Like, we'll get weapons from this guy, though we have no money. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to give you the weapons unless you can beat me in an arm wrestling match. And it's like, this... That's the plot of the whole movie. Like I say, it opens with something that doesn't make a lot of sense. They lose a ruby that's supposed to provide protection. The rest of the movie is finding the ruby again. And and in the middle, they have a sequence where they, they cleverly defeat a foe because he challenges them in the one arena in which they're good at anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the one thing he would decide to do. I, I mean, this is like when I when I challenge Max to a like a peck popping contest and I know I'm going to lose. But part of me thinks deep down that I'm the best. But I, I know that's <laughs> not the case. So it's worth noting the guy who challenges them to this is George Eastman, who is huge himself, but not that huge. No. No. Well, Steve, it's important that you have faith in yourself that even though you will lose against me, that you still uh-huh. believe you can win. That's true. That's true. I just I got to believe in myself more. That's that's at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I think that's, belief that's is what barbarian, barbarian brothers are all about. Us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah belief, because they're not actors, and yet we're talking about four films they've been in. Yeah, and it, th- this also kind of sets the template for what to expect from a barbarian brothers film. Because I, I mentioned like their their kind of commitment to comedy and this really doubles down on that. And the Barbarian Brothers specifically said like, you know, they, they set us up as just an action movie and they were like, well, you know, it was just going to be an action movie, but uh, we're funny guys. And uh, so we ad libbed a bunch of comedy and they kept it in. So the only reason they kept it in is because the director was like, we have exactly enough film to do two takes. And you guys just added a fucking joke in the middle of it. So we're going with it. <laughs> I love they insisted in that interview that they made it a comedy by insisting on ad libbing, mm-hmm. which is just an ingenious move yeah. on your first movie. These guys are also like classic himbo mold, too, because we know like you could watch them and you just know like these guys are are very passionate and they have a lot of confidence, but they're not the smartest boys. OK, and there's a great interview with them. And just to kind of set the scene, this was on the local news in, in Los Angeles talking about the Barbarian Brothers, and they were driving around in a Jeep with the top down just like yelling at people and and they're 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 wearing white bathrobes and nothing else and they're driving this <laughs> no. jeep and they're just like hey hey like screaming at a cop they're our movie's playing tonight you should go see it and the cop's like okay and then they promptly drive up some stairs like giant stone <laughs> stairs in front of like a courthouse or some shit There's and then like it, people running away from the jeep yeah <laughs> it's it's lazy rocky yeah that's, that's exactly what it is that's it and then and then it cuts to them and they're talking about like their their philosophy in life and uh the guys say this i believe in the greek philosophers aristotle plato socrates they believe in an equal balance between body and mind so i have to weigh 500 pounds for my body to equal my mind <laughs> just the biggest <laughs> brains on these boys they're just huge huge brains Big brains, iron balls. oh my god it's really beautiful. So what I want to know is, Max, you said this is one of your favorite Barbarian Brother movies. What what puts it at the top? So I, as I was saying, I watched these in reverse order, and I believe that this one I think is one of the most distinct of the of the four that I watched. Like it's one of the ones I'm going to remember mostly because um, I kind of like the uh, the sword and sorcery 
genre of films or stories or whatever. And I think that this movie does have some interesting costumes. Uh, the set design is kind of fun at some point. Like uh, the villain, uh, Kadar, his throne's on this giant palaquin that's held up by like 15 slaves who just kind of like, you know, lift him up like always when he's there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's interesting. It's 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 where you get a lot of the hallmarks of the Barbarian Brothers movies. Like, there's always going to be a joke about the twins being mistaken for one another or surprised that there's two of them, as well as ropes never being tied strong enough mm-hmm. for them. Uh, so in comparison with some of the other ones, there's some memorable things in this. Not, no. not, not, not to say that they're, that they're good, that it's memorable, but, <laughs> but you know, it's it's fun. If, if you just look at it as like an hour and a half fantasy romp that you could see in the yeah. 80s. It's I mean, very much it, just fitting it, with the time. In terms of like the, the the quality of the filmmaking too, like the Barbarians is probably the best looking. I would say, like you said, like the set design is is great. Um, it's it's a good example of just all the archetypes of uh, sword and sorcery films. I think the the funniest thing is, I mean, this is the Barbarian starring the Barbarian Brothers, and what sinks this movie. It's probably the Barbarian Brothers, to be completely (laughs) honest. Like, they just... And the reason is, I firmly believe the Barbarian Brothers succeed when they are playing complete idiots who just happen to stumble into success. But in some of these movies, they play... I mean, they're still complete idiots, but they're, like, misunderstood. And it turns out they were great all along. And I don't, I, I can't get that from them because they're fucking morons, and that's okay. <laughs> but you're not kidding anyone here. Like it's you just can't. Part of being a himbo. It is. It's part of being a himbo. Like a giant dragon dog thing. It looks like Falcor comes out of the swamp and they kill it and shit. And I'm like, that's believable. But then when they're like, ha ha ha, we're smarter than you know the average guy in a loincloth. I'm like, absolutely not. Suspension of disbelief <laughs> out the fucking window. <laughs> There's, there's nothing that suggests that they're, like, super smart. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is destiny. I, again, in, in how well-authored this film is, at the very start, they, they talk about how the, 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 the chosen people have adopted two young boys and a girl uh, from the outside. And wouldn't you know, those three people turn out to be key in the entire thing. And it turns mm-hmm. out the one woman in the film uh, outside who, who whose role isn't exactly already predetermined it turns out she's actually the the chosen one uh the the girl that they we, that they talked about in the in the start um and it's played by eva larue who honestly i think does really well in this film because honestly she is an actress and so most of the film is the barbarian brothers and her and she's just kind of like doing you know regular proper stuff to just appear you know upbeat and interesting on screen while mm-hmm. these guys are just like braying like cattle and just flexing constantly it's all <laughs> they seem to do it's it's such a bizarre uh, uh did you say braying like cattle did you <laughs> that that's Seri- actually serious question serious question <laughs> yeah do you think DMX saw this movie on like a Saturday afternoon. He's like, wait, I know what's going to be my shtick. That's it. That's that's it. <laughs> I was thinking that like 
this has to be a conscious decision by the Barbarian Brothers, because obviously we're confused. We're like, which one is Peter and which one is David? Uh, it, it gets a little bit easier in future movies because they just go by their first names, presumably because like working as character names, they were getting confused. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say not that much easier, but you're, you're not wrong. But functionally, <laughs> functionally, not that yeah, much easier. Not that much easier. So the only difference is the guy who makes that noise. I think he makes that noise in all of the movies at some point. So like that's like there's the one that does the Chewbacca and the, there's the one that doesn't. And that's how you differentiate between your barbarian brothers. Right. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, and no one really... seems to care. We're going to get into movies later where women are like, you know, I don't care which one I fuck. Oh, please double team me, barbarian brothers. <laughs> like it gets really weird really quick. <laughs> um, true. Uh, yeah, it is. What the, Steve, you mentioned this when we did when we did a sword and sandal episode a couple of mo- a couple of episodes back and um you talked about how honestly like sword and sandals is like the most dudes rock genre oh, I think hell you're yeah. right it's like women women don't get in the way of the guys in these movies and it's the same here yeah uh, the main woman like there's no romantic attachment whatsoever in this movie and in most of their movies they just don't even try but no. you know it fits in this one it's a little bit weirder later on it's extra weird in the one where they do do a romance and they end up sharing a date <laughs> <laughs> yeah the barbarian it's all about dudes rock man you you never you never let the the woman it's get weird in they between don't you. do that in this one because this is directed by ruggiero diodato who also did one of my favorite cop movies which is uh, live like a cop die like a man which is <laughs> one of the most insane cop movies because it's literally two like catalog model beautiful men in in wonderful like designer outfits and they're basically just two fascistic cops who murder everyone and then they like share women and it's like the homoerotic tension between the two of them in the movie is like absolutely incredible wait is this a movie or is this a documentary about actual cops it's it's incredibly close i mean i'm not joking it really cuts deep on this they're like there's just two like chiseled psychopaths who have the vestiges of being heterosexual but i don't believe it for a minute and it's weird that in this movie he just cuts it. He's like, no, no one will, no one will want anything to do with these guys. They, you know, and they have no time for it. You know, they're too busy probably lifting stuff. <laughs> now I want to see that. That's that's the next episode. We're doing uh, fascist cops who want to kiss each other. That's that's the next oh, episode. You've never seen that one. It is it is a treasure trove of weird. <laughs> it shit. really sounds kind of delightful. See, this it's is amazing. This is we're we're really doing a public service here. Look at look what we're doing. We're we're giving people all these wonderful things we're opening doors and and windows and opportunities for people to really expand their cinematic palette um the other thing i want to know is like what uh, obviously the barbarian brothers they're fashion icons and uh, they're, they're two of the sexiest men alive okay they're, 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 like when when i think about the barbarian brothers all i can think of is like them kind of tracking with Madonna's trajectory around the same time, like in terms of like what they symbolize, where does on, on the, on the horny and fashionable scales, where does the barbarian brothers movie, uh, the barbarians lie? Cause it feels a little bit too low for me, for my taste. Yeah, for me, I think of the four movies we've watched, this is the least fashionable. And I think that's just because they went full in like on the, the set and theming. Like, I'm not complaining about seeing them shirtless for the entirety of a movie, like, at mm. all. I'm super into that. But there's so much wonderful top-notch fashion 
in some of the later movies that this, I think, is at the bottom of my list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the costume budget here is basically spend on baby oil. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It, that's it. Just keeping them glistening and just nicely moist throughout the entire picture. Yeah. I did appreciate all the butts we got to see in the harem, though. Mm. Uh, I was assuming okay, one we of them would has only like a straight see... up thong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was assuming we were only going to see barbarian butt, but then we saw lady butt, and I was like, "All right, I can fuck with this." Yeah, say everybody, everybody's happy. A lot, a lot of bisexual energy just emanating from the barbarians. I think. So I'm the perfect person for you to have on this podcast. Exactly. Like... Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, after the uh, success, uh, the not colossal failure of the barbarians, I mean, they're both nominated for Razzies. So pump your brakes. I mean, but the, the Razzies the have thing. always been wrong. They've always been wrong. The Razzies are just. I, I'm amazed the Razzies heard of these guys. Yeah, that's also true. I think the Razzies are a barometer that points me towards greatness. Personally, that's how I see it. Um, but after this. They uh, they decided, you know, truck driver movies were good in like 1977. They were real big. It was all the rage. I mean, C.W. McCall released his hit song Convoy and everybody was like, yeah, we want to listen to a song where a guy just talks into a radio. That's great. So then the Barbarian Brothers said, why don't we make a movie with the guy who's going to go on to make National Treasure? And it's about trucks and it's called Think Big. Holly's invention can turn anything off. Unfortunately, what it's turned on is the mob. Now, Holly's only hope is with Rafe and Vic, the infamous barbarian brothers. They're always popular. Respected by their boss. Why can't you boys ever make a delivery on time? And definitely going places. Think big. I fucking hated this movie. It's just oh, really. <laughs> it's like it truck driver thing. click. I don't even know what the fuck it is. So this movie, <laughs> cross. This is the crossover between Optimism Vaccine and Good Bruce Bad Views because we did National Treasure two a little over a year ago. So I was uh, surprised to see a familiar uh, d- directorial name uh, in regards <laughs> to these movies. But uh, yeah, Think Big is not a good movie. It does have a. It does have a nice supporting cast though. Yeah, the credits is like an incredible surprise. Like mm-hmm. Michael Winslow and Tommy Tiny Lister and Martin also John Mull. Turtlehub as mm-hmm. Richard Keel. Yeah, Richard Keel. Yeah, it's got all these people here like, what the fuck is this movie? And it turns out it's a disaster. <laughs> yeah. It's, I kind it's, of liked it. <laughs> it's very much a 90s movie because it has that animated opening like Weekend at Bernie's and also a hip hop theme. Like, oh. like you would see in performed uh, by the Barbarian Brothers. Yes, Max, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because you know all us, all of us Barbro heads out there, as we call ourselves, we we often talk about the movies, the films, the cinema of the Barbarian Brothers, but I don't feel like we spend enough time talking about their music, which seems to have been lost to the sands of time. I can't find like anything. Uh, but I was able to pull out a clip from a song that they recorded. I, I think it was around the same time as uh, the release of the Barbarians uh, or maybe between the Barbarians and Think Big. But it's called I'm a Wild One. I don't know if you're familiar with that hot track, but uh, it's got this great line in it. That's right. <laughs> oh my. 
Monkey climbs the highest tree. The further he climbed, the more he see. What? I mean, have, have greater... This is, you know, you listen to the great bard over here, either Peter or Paul. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> great music video, too. If, if you want to look it up, it's it's just um, it's them, like, yelling into microphones, and there's just, like, various jungle animals that have been brought in that are just kind of, like, hanging on them. It's good shit. Max, when we get married, can this be our wedding song? Of course. Yeah. Cool. I actually demand that that be a, a wedding song for someone, anyone. Maybe a Barbarian Brothers-themed wedding. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> the, the costuming. Oh, my lord. The costuming. Yeah, so picture this. Picture this, okay? Max is, uh, he's, he's standing at the altar, right? And he's, he's just loaded up in shoulder pads and he's wearing, <laughs> he's a little too scrawny to be a barbarian yeah, brother. Just, Max, I love you, but you know, that's true. He's, true, he's just true. absolutely rip, rippling in pads. Okay. And he's wearing <laughs> the, uh, the suit from double trouble. And then Claire, the music hits, okay? I'm a Wild One starts playing. And then Claire walks down the aisle and she's wearing an Oakland Raiders crop top, all right? And, and ripped jeans. Yep. If, if you were going to say any other uh, costume, I was just going to like exit this podcast now being like, how dare you, Steve Cuff, of not knowing the best fact and sensibilities of Claire Higginbottom? <laughs> we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the, the, the crop top sweatshirt is a. A fashion classic that's yeah. never going out of style. I have a lot of things to say about that when we get to that movie. But. This is, it's kind of like a theme, right? Like, shirts cannot contain these guys. And I don't blame them because look at them. Like, how could a shirt possibly fit them? It doesn't work. I don't even remember what they're wearing for most. I know one of them just seems to be wearing, like, this huge, like, open, kind of open-necked, like, scrubs almost. Like, it's just material. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that's, it's on the poster, too, and it's, like, very flash dance. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's it's got a little bit of flash dance or like a, like a white guy dashiki thing, but it just comes off as like a bed sheet. Like he was wearing like a ghost <laughs> costume, and he just pulled it down too hard, and now he's just kind of like swimming in it. I don't know. Probably <laughs> happened to him at least once in his life. Yeah, he pulled the he pulled the covers up over his head. <gasps> Peter, I can't see anything. Ah, oh! he just like rips his head through the sheets. <laughs> I, yeah. Getting back to, to to this movie, okay. I I hate, this is the worst one of them for me personally, and it's because this movie this feels like a sketch comedy film that just with no funny people in it. It is just there's no reason for anything in this movie to happen, and it just keeps happening over and over again for ninety minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I struggled with it just because. I thought it was going to be, it, it shifts gears. Not, I, okay, it's a movie about trucking. Sorry. <laughs> nice one. Hey, uh, uh, there we go. Roll the fucking credits. Um, no, it, it, it kind of shifts between like what it's trying to do and what it's trying to make the story about. It feels like every 10 minutes. You know, at first it's like, oh, they're helping this woman get to the hospital who's having a baby in this like completely off the rails, insane opening where a woman's like squeezing a child out and they're barreling down this road in a big rig. How did she get in their truck? Like, I, I want to know. What... Did they just like find a pregnant woman on the side of the road yeah. who like was waiting for her? Yeah, and, threw yeah. her, and threw her in the back of an empty fucking big rig trailer to just roll around while they yeah. drive maniacally I, I mean i i think in my head it's just like he's like david's like hey peter is that woman hitchhiking nah dave she's dilating and then they just scoop her up and then throw her in the fucking back <laughs> that's that's probably what did happen uh, yeah i can't imagine it going down any other way so 
Uh, but but then it kind of it introduces this like child who's being chased by the mob. And then there's like a toxic waste element. A school for genius children. And she's invented this universal remote that can operate any electrical device. And now they're just selling those at Best Buy. Yeah, I mean, that's it, pretty much. Uh, with this this one, well, except for this one doesn't have any meaningful user interface, so it's extremely difficult to use, which makes me question this this girl's genius credentials, frankly. Uh, and she's trying to escape from, I think, like the principal from Sabrina, the, the teenage witch, who runs <laughs> this evil school that steals all these genius children's inventions, and he's trying to sell them for, to the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, she finds this out, so she wants to escape, so she hitches a ride with the two meaty truck men, and they <laughs> drive for a while, and just the rest of the film, like it's it's just a series of them traveling with her to try to get to LA. But they're also doing a, a trucking run. They also have to like yeah. pick up a shipment, and it's like at any given point in any given scene, you kind of forget why any of this is happening because it really like it very clearly doesn't matter. There's no dramatic. Like I know it's a comedy, but like there's no. It, like even the semblance of a plot to just kind of guide it just falls by the wayside and it just ends up with just two big men shouting at each other mm-hmm. and we're supposed to love them for it. Well, and <laughs> another element here, which um, I, I don't know if this was kind of retconned by the producers or the director later into the movie. Um, I noticed this when I was <laughs> reading the uh, the summary on Letterboxd which pulls from the uh, it's it's not IMDb. I think it's TMDB, which is the other IMDb. But the description that it pulls in is like two severely mentally handicapped brothers who are tucked truck drivers help a girl with a magic remote go to Los Angeles. And I'm just like, what the f- what is that fucking said explicitly see, at any point? Okay. <laughs> That sounds to me like, because it's worth mentioning for the cult film people out there, this story for this film came from Jim Wynorski, who's yeah. you know, best known for directing 100 movies about topless women in a single location. And Chopping Mall. Budget is, <laughs> and Chopping Mall, which is like his one of his more lavish productions. <laughs> um, yeah, like a man who can make a film over the weekend if you ask him nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow he's got a story credit on this and he didn't... You know, I could have absolutely imagined Jim Wynorski making a movie about two mentally challenged men embarking on like, like a Forrest Gump for truckers or something. Like that's absolutely something he could have cooked up. I don't know, you know, he's he, he only gets story credit. He didn't write it. So I don't know how much of Wynorski's left in there, but that plot summary sounds more like a Wynorski film than the film itself. I just can't imagine, like, okay, Max, imagine you are the produce, a producer at a big studio, okay? I'm Jim Wynorski. I just made Boob Witch 7 and Dial 666 Evil, which is actually, I think, a movie that he made. Um, I walk in, I go, okay, no script, but hear me out. It's two truck drivers. There's a girl with a magic remote, and they drive around. And you're like, what what do you say? (laughs) All right, so imagine me puffing on a giant cigar while I'm saying this. The only option, yeah. Yes. Does the girl's remotes make their tits pop out? Uh, Of course it does. does (laughs) Is the truck itself full of boobs? It's everywhere. There's boobs as far as the eye can see. (laughs) You're the check for a million dollars. 
And I it's, it's, a, it's a cornucopia overflowing with bosom. Yeah, that's yeah, here's, here's a check for a million dollars. Yeah, there's like and there's also a scene where they open the back doors to the semi truck and then just like piles and piles of boobs fall out. Mm hmm. That's all you need. You see, all this sounds this sounds great from Jim Wynorski, the man who did direct a film called Scared Topless. <laughs> None of that makes it into this movie. That happens Nothing. all the time. I just, you know, like I see a skeleton I mean, the main in a female character is a literal <laughs> child, teenager. Like they can't do that. No. That would be unbecoming. That would be the Italian director who came before in mm-hmm. this this podcast. They can't do that now. <laughs> this is an American production. No, there are laws. Exactly. So, no, it's it's a weird sexless movie about just two giant men uh, who are terrible. Here's the thing, right? The whole thing is they're trying to make they're, they're they're terrible truckers and they're trying to make payments on their truck uh, because they just want to be truckers in life. That's all they want to be is truckers. But they suck. They're bad at being truckers, mm-hmm. and they're still bad at being truckers. At the end, they're still bad at being truckers. They fuck it up, and then the child genius just buys them a truck to presumably just <laughs> keep these infant like these infant men just trucking onward, just baffling film don't I love understand that, like disney saw this and they're like this is the guy we need to do cool runnings we need him all right this is important <laughs> sure this is what like four years off the pace of over the top which this movie makes look pretty cool yes i was thinking the same thing like this movie's got big over the top energy yeah but but like you got double stallone double stallone <laughs> God. <laughs> like how many pay gradients down from Sylvester Stallone are the bar- Barbarian Brothers even though there's two of them like it's double the muscle they're just billed as one oh but so weird segue <laughs> from this movie into the next movie so the movie ends on a happy note uh, the girl gets away from the mob and she starts selling the remote because she's a capitalist through and through and uh, she contacts the brothers Beautiful. on the truck and she says Breaker Breaker One Niner calling Double Trouble, which is the next film in this yep. category. Yeah, it's a real James Bond kind of like the, the the Barbarian Brothers universe. Like they know where they're going, which is terrifying because it doesn't look like they. None of this. Like the more planning you assume went into each of these products, the more confusing all of them become. Yeah, it's great too because w- once we transition, which before we do that, real quick, Claire. What's what's the sexy level and what's the fashion level of Think Big? See, I'm gonna. I think my favorite fashion moment. It might not even be from a Barbarian Brother. It's from uh, Holly at like the end when they're at her boyfriend's house and she has like the little like the crop top and like the the jeans. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's very fashionable for 1990. I am into this moment. <laughs> um, high sexy value. Uh, one of them gets a girl uh, who is like the school counselor or whatever. Um, she is also very attractive. So there's there's a decent amount of sexiness. Still not my favorite fashion moments mm. in uh, in the series though. That's coming up next. That's right because you know there's there's continuity here because we go into the next movie and even though the brothers have completely changed professions, um, there's still toxic waste and and mob figures I guess to deal with uh, which kind of carries over into the the final Barbarian Brothers movie so maybe all three of these exist in the same universe we're gonna have to ponder that one but uh yeah the (laughs) Barbarian Brothers cinematic universe the BBCU (laughs) yeah the BBCU as it's known um now 
before I play the trailer for Double Trouble, normally what I do is I, I take the existing trailer and I, I just like cut it down to between like 20 and 30 seconds, whatever. And that's the trailer. Um, there is no Double Trouble trailer on YouTube that I could find. Now, I could have spent hours just scouring the Internet trying to find it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, uh, especially that, that's weird, Steve, because the whole fucking movie is on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. And also it, the, the version that's on YouTube is like a, a decent looking rip that was on Encore or something. So you would think like this has to exist somewhere, but it doesn't. So instead, I made my own 30 second trailer using the weightlifting scene from Double Trouble. So if you guys will indulge me. Here is my trailer that I cut together. Lifting weights. Lift. <laughs> Lifting them up. Without context, this sounds very not safe for work. What the film does this too because it calls Chase downstairs neighbor who very clearly thinks he's having sex. Okay, as someone who's been to the gym like two or three times, this is a little over the top. <laughs> He's mourning his loss of his relationship with his brother and sublimating it through the lifting of heavy objects. <laughs> but this, this comes on the heels of what I would describe as the greatest moment in cinematic history. Okay, so to paint paint the, the scene here, someone as a joke, I think it's to call the, the cop barbarian brother, like detective barbarian, someone he works with wants to like basically be like, you're a pussy. So he gives him a cat. And so the barbarian brother, detective barbarian, he puts the cat in a box. He takes it home. And then just an incredibly fucked up series of events. The camera remains stationary as we watch Detective Barbarian remove the cat from the box, take out a plate from the sink, put it down, go into the fridge where he has a jar of fucking baby food. Just pure white baby food. Why does he have baby food? We don't know. He spoons the baby food onto the plate, and then he takes a bag of cat litter, dumps it in the sink, and says, if you gotta go, use the sink. <laughs> so good. There's, there's so much about this I don't understand. And then what that transitions the into no horny faucets? weightlifting. What? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 an incredible scene. For the sink, like, do men of his size not need sinks? Is there like some transitional point where you just don't need running water anymore yeah. in your kitchen? Uh, there's also no there's no faucets in the sink. I I don't know how that works. Um, but all, yeah, the whole scene with the cat just cut. It's like the long goodbye, the 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 Robert Altman film. You know, where Elliot Gould spends a lot of time just vibing with his cat in that movie, which mm -hmm. is why it's one of the great movies. Weirdly enough, that movie gives a very early role to Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm -hmm. who is in a a supporting role as a bodybuilder, just in the in the background. It's a heavy of one of the bad guys. He's not even credited in the movie. I think it's such a small role. So you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Um. The best I can say about this, honestly, though, is that uh, this movie is good, and I don't understand how <laughs> that happened. I, I would glad I would sit down on any day and I'll watch Double Trouble, and I was not expecting that going into this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the cat scene was just, just them trying to make it to a tight 90. 
<laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of padding in this movie and i think it's still in like what 86 minutes yeah it barely it barely hits its mark and there is there's tons of padding but it's the best kind of padding right because no, I'm, I'm not complaining <clears throat> about the padding i am into oh. this padding yeah this is this is the amount of padding that max is going to need to fill out the giant barbarian brother suit on your wedding day okay like <laughs> we're talking there's so many scenes where the Barbarian Brothers are just like doing normal human shit, but because they're just massive stake men, it looks ridiculous. Anytime they are running down the street, it's so fucking funny to me. Like, I can't stop laughing at it. It's just their yeah, movement this, this is, is hilarious. This is Barbarian. This is Barbarian Brothers 48 hours. Mm -hmm. Just in case anyone's wondering, like, man, I, I, the Barbarian Brothers sound cool, but I really wish it was like a mashup with like a, a Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy kind of movie. Good news. You're covered. That's what this is. You got it. And uh, one Barbro is a police officer whose uniform uh, is basically consists of the aforementioned L.A. Raiders uh, crop top sweatshirt Ooh. and jeans. Incredible look. And then his brother, who is a professional jewel thief, because jewel thieves generally tend to be 300 yeah. pounds. Professional and muscle. heavy finger quotes, by the way. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I steal and then I call the cops on myself <laughs> and I spray paint smiley face on the wall <laughs> he spray paints like a cat because he's a cat burglar <laughs> it's, it's all very well worked out it all card. makes a lot of sense yeah that's yeah it, it makes a lot of sense and anyhow through a series they, they're obviously they're 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 divorced from each other because one is on the side of the law and the other isn't but through a series of events that don't actually make any sense if you think about them they are jammed together they're partnered together by the lapd to catch someone else for some reason, I wouldn't. I honestly, I mean, I enjoyed this movie. I don't think I could tell you why things happen. It really but ultimately, there's a guy. Yeah, there's a guy who's worse than Jewel Thief Barbro, and they gotta catch him. And that's the whole movie. And it's just basically two guys who are like, "I'm a cop. I'm a criminal. We could be more different." Except they're two fucking ginormous dudes <laughs> with the same haircut. So. Max, I actually, different. I have a question for you, Max. Are you familiar with the director of this beautiful film? Uh, let's see here. Who is this directed by? John Paragon, other than he is the director of the next film that we are going to be watching. He's also... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, John Paragon did Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is one of my uh -huh. all-time favorite movies. And you know what he plays in Pee-wee's Playhouse? He's Jombie, the fucking uh, genie head thing in Pee-wee's Playhouse. He's fucking Jombie. Which is amazing. So that like the severed genie head, Mecca like a high, Mecca hiney ho. That's yeah. who's that is who is directing this. Um, now <clears throat> we we there's a lot of echoes in in the Barbarian Brothers cinematic universe. Uh, the 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 BBCU, <laughs> and this is another so one of them because make, you know we, a lot we of went sense from a lot of echoes because it's a lot of screaming. It's a lot of screaming, yeah. But uh, yeah, we we go from in their in their first starring role to seeing Coachella Pee-wee Herman to actually getting a guy that was involved with Pee-wee Herman. Also, another question for Max. Do you think David Carradine owes the Barbarian Brothers money at this point or something? Like, why uh, does he keep showing up? Possibly. Possibly. Because... It's very strange. He's doing the Willie Nelson in Thief role here for some <laughs> reason. Like, that's literally what it is. It's uh, the Jewel Thief goes to talk to his, like, mentor in prison... And it's like right out of Thief where James Caan goes to visit Willie Nelson. But in this case, it's a ginormous meat slab man talking to David Carradine, who presumably <laughs> had one day on set and probably took 
eight to nine percent of the budget. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. That sounds yeah, about right. Yeah. I mean, aside from David Carradine, uh, there's also uh, Roddy McDowell as the mm-hmm. villain of this movie who outacts everyone whenever he is on screen. Um, this oh, yeah. This movie's super slow. It's like about almost an hour into like an 87-minute movie before you know what the actual plot or... Yeah, there's something about diamonds and then the subway goes under the diamond exchange, which is apparently a place in whatever city they're in. <laughs> That's just yeah, a building where they it's... keep all the diamonds in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, Peter has <laughs> like a... There's three buildings. And there's one safe that has the diamonds in them that they now know how to unlock. Like, Yeah, because Peter has like the, the magic credit card unlocking key that he stole mm. on an early heist and something or other. But this movie does have one of the most interesting looking movie goons I've ever seen. Which mm. is, there's a doughy guy with a mustache and a ponytail, mm-hmm. which it's, there's something about, like, that weird combination of a human thumb with a porno stash and a, and a pullback ponytail that are just like, yep, this is made in the early 90s. Oh, all the villains in this, too, are, like, total C-grade villains, just just totally elevated. Like, the ginger guy, who's supposed to be the one that we're all really intimidated by, that's, he's fun. We love him. Not not very intimidating. Yeah, we we have our main bad guy who just murders all his own henchmen. Mm-hmm. He's like the Joker. I mean, really, Christopher Nolan probably ripped this off for the Dark Knight. I think so, yeah. This is the yeah, one I that opens so. with the driver that kills the guy, right? Yep, that's, yeah. that's okay, the well, one. He's the redhead guy. Yeah, that's what I okay. So when I first thought I was like half paying attention because I was finishing up like doing some stuff around the house and I had to do a triple take because for a second I thought it was Seth Green and I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to do like six triple takes. I was like, okay, no, it's not. It's like, let me let me rewind this that in slow motion. the timeline. Careful on yeah, your neck. Seth there. Green was busy there. being in, in a movie arcade by uh, our previous subject, uh, Albert Pune, mm-hmm. around this time. Yep, yep. He, he was not available for this, unfortunately. Yeah, and, but it, it looked just enough like him in like oh. the first couple cuts of the movie, where I was very, very, very confused. And, and it, I, I think that's a good analog for how not threatening this guy is. Like, round up the people who find <laughs> Seth Green to be a very threatening person, and this guy, the main bad guy, looks like him, and we're supposed to like, oh shit, he's dangerous. It's mm-hmm. like he, he just looks like he's just a guy. It's not really he doesn't read in a movie full of just very large men. I don't know why they why they went with that. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this too, but one of the things that, that was really, I don't know, I really just kind of attached myself to is trying to figure out the audience for these movies. Because on one hand, they <laughs> seem like children's films. And then on the other hand, they're hyper fucking violent. <laughs> so well, this is just like, are, it's made for 12-year-old me. Because, I, like... This has guys getting, like, blasted in the chest with shotguns, but also it has, like... This is R-rated. <laughs> like, the Barbarians and Double Trouble are R-rated. I think the other two are... Uh, think Big, I think, is PG-13. It's in that wheelhouse of, like, we'll say shit, but nothing much is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think our last movie is, like, PG. I think I think it's firmly kid-friendly. It might be PG-13, though. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's kid-friendly, but at the same time, I'm just like, there's some stuff in here... It's like you, you need to have some conversations with your children after they watch a Barbarian Brothers movie. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the kids movie has a threesome setup for one. It thing, does. It does. We're going to talk a lot to. about that. Yeah. Um, Claire, uh, again, where, th- what are the sexy levels? What are the fashion levels that we find here? 
Oh, this one is this one's off the charts. Um, it's, it's, it's carried almost solely by uh the raiders crop top obviously we all knew that was coming uh also whichever one one of the barbarians wears the hell out of a suit that's peter um mm-hmm. yeah sure uh, well I, I wrote down here in my notes david good guy crop top peter bad guy suit it's kind of like i feel like this scene where it's like they're himbos and then he dresses up in a suit and looks really nice, walked so that George of the Jungle putting on a suit could run. Because mm. I, I really good. feel like Brendan Fraser and George of the Jungle is the modern day barbarian brother himbo. He, he's the lost barbarian brother in a lot of ways. Exactly. <laughs> like he, he's the, the, uh, he's, he's, he's the, the Spike Dudley of the barbarian bros. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, if I could have, like, George of the Jungle, Brendan Fraser, put on a Oakland Raiders sweatshirt crop top, I might lose my mind. You would oh my die. God. I would die. <laughs> I would legitimately die. Someone Photoshop that for Claire. That's We need that. That would be too much too much for celluloid to handle. It would just incinerate in the projector. <laughs> yes, if anyone listening has any Photoshop skills and wants to fill up my spank bank, please Photoshop me a picture of Brendan Fraser and George of the Jungle wearing an Oakland Raiders sweatshirt crop top. Um, I will do something for you in return. I don't know what. I'll make you a present of a, a poorly Photoshop. <laughs> Quid pro quo, Photoshopper. <laughs> Fi- final points on this on this movie. Okay, so first off, I think this is the best of the bunch uh, because one thing I know, like this movie actually has a couple of credible jokes in it and a few of them are Ooh. even delivered by the Barbarian Brothers. There's like one scene where uh, what, one scene where one of the Barbarian Brothers, I can't tell them apart, uh, the bad one, uh, he, <laughs> he comes out and asks someone for directions and says, where did I go? Because he knows his brother just went. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's that a legitimate yeah, joke. That yeah, that, that's yeah. like a real joke. There's one mm-hmm. actually, I think, legitimately good joke in this movie, like and an actual genuine film joke. Uh, when they're when the bad guys, the bad bad guys, not just the bad barbarian guy who's not really bad, he's just big. Um, I don't know how to describe that. The tears of bad in this, this is a wonderful film, really. Um, but the, when the when the really bad guys are breaking into the big diamond building in L.A., which definitely exists. Uh, they dynamite in, and there's the, the police know they're going to rob it, but they don't know how. So they don't realize they're going to, like, explode in from the bottom. Apparently, for some reason, the police decided we're going to, like, stand outside the front door, but we're not going to guard any other entryway into the building, which gives you an idea of how well plotted the whole thing is. So anyway, they, they dynamite into the vault, and obviously the dynamite causes a shaking. So, like, they explode the dynamite, and it cuts to the, like, dumb police chief out front holding a coffee, and his coffee shakes, like, in Jurassic Park. <laughs> and then he just, like hands and you know so we think oh they've been tipped off and instead the guy the, the police chief hands the coffee off to a subordinate and says get me some like non-decaf that's a real yeah. joke his hand is shaking he mixes things up you know honestly there are a tier hollywood comedies that are being released right now that don't have a joke as well authored as that personally. that's right yeah screenwriters budding screenwriters watch Double Trouble starring yeah. the Barbarian Brothers. You'll learn a thing would, or two. I would watch this movie at any time. I still don't understand why a lot of things happen in it, but this is definitely, I think, the closest for me that the Barbarian Brothers get to being like 
a sensible film entity. Like, the film understands that they are utterly ridiculous. Like, this is the first movie where they run around holding guns all the time, and guns are tiny in their hands and look like little <laughs> toys. And it just doesn't work at all. And But the, the movie seems to roll really... Like, I don't know, this movie reigns in the visual ridiculousness of the Barbarian Brothers, I think, and plays with it in probably the most complete way for me so i you know this this movie i think honestly for me the fillet and i'm pretty sure these guys eat oh. nothing but 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 the, <laughs> the choices to fillet at all times i also like the weird joke where i mean i don't know just a humorous moment where the bad brother was like maybe i should be a cop after this how much do you make and it's like a joke about how cops don't get paid anything yeah, it's just like, oh, 29,000 right. in a week? No, a year. Oh! <laughs> and they shoot at you? Like, yeah, it's. I think it's great. It's Yeah, yeah. It's a great. Also, uh, you know, it just occurred to me that Barbarian, like, we talk about how the Barbarian Brothers don't really have any credible romantic elements throughout three of the four movies. And in the fourth movie, which we'll get to, their romantic lead is just fucking weird it's uncomfortable in this one uh jewel thief brother does have like kind of a girlfriend like his his acrobat girlfriend who's like i don't know if she's really an acrobat but like she's like she's holding her up in front of a fireplace in this big open <laughs> she's into tantric handstands kind of thing <laughs> yeah and she, so she she's holding her up on her hands and she's doing like a handstand and dukes of posing and then she just disappears she's gone for the rest of the movie and yeah. it's like who is she and i i wish maybe they could you know make a spin-off there could have been like a double trouble like i feel like everyone in this movie should have a twin mm -hmm. that's the only way to balance the whole thing out and i wish they'd maybe you know gone that far jack I, i'm glad you said the that. next movie yeah because we get to our next film uh which i i believe this is my personal favorite but maybe because after watching all these in a row i had like barbarian brain and it just rotted <laughs> me completely but boy oh boy there's a lot of <laughs> twins in this one it's uh it's called twin sitters the Barbarian Brothers. Yo, nice hair. Is that a supercut? They're big. Oh, indubitably, indubitably. Bold. You turn your maybe you should lay off the growth one. Why? And fast with their fists. But when they come between the mob and the feds. Which really does a job on those hoods. I want to offer you a job. I'd like you to stay here and look after my nephews. It's the start of a whole new career. Yo. With a babysitter. Twin sitters. <laughs> Please take note of that song because it's not Sammy Hagar what saying, is... We're the bad, 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 bad babysitters. That's the Barbarian Brothers singing. Uh, but I, I don't I don't have the soundtrack, which makes me sad. Uh, yeah, the this soundtrack looks us... like it should slap because I'm looking at it on Wikipedia oh. and it's like mostly the Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> that's uh, that's my my holy grail at this point. Like, I need to find like the Barbarian Brothers various soundtracks and musical recordings. What I really want, uh, guys that run Vinegar Syndrome, I know you're listening right now, so please lean in. We need a box set, okay? I'm guessing oh, you probably Lord. you can't get the rights to the Barbarians. Maybe you can't get the rights to think big, but I know, I know you can get the two movies directed by Jombie, okay? So, Double Trouble, you get Twin Sitters, you package it with a CD that has all the music, and then essays. I will write one of the essays for you. It will be good, I promise you. Um, Claire, are you in to write one on uh, the, the various crop tops of the uh, Barbarian Brothers? Yeah, that's literally what I was born to do. <laughs> 
So this is perfect. We, we have everything for you. It's all here for you. Max, uh, you, you and Jack, you can record a commentary. We're going to do all the work, Vinegar Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Just please restore these. We had to watch these on YouTube. Do you know how sad that is for Peter and David? Okay. What are the Barbarian Brothers? Soul. Yeah, God rest his soul. He just passed away. God damn. That's true. We got we got a one of them. The tear would roll down his his cheek if if he saw a pristine Blu-ray presentation of of Double Trouble or Twin Sitters. Mm-hmm. Now I follow one of the uh, the archivists for Vinegar Syndrome on Letterbox, and I know for a fucking fact that he has logged Twin Sitters on his Letterbox, and he gave it three stars, <laughs> which means he liked it. So. Make this happen. Find those rights. Let's do it, okay? Barbro Nation, we're crying out for this. The beefcake masses, we need it. Make it happen. That's my plea. It would be beautiful. But yeah, this movie kicks ass. And also, it's got a lot of weird connections to Arnold Schwarzenegger again, because uh, this is the same kid that played Dominic in Kindergarten Cop. So that, that's mm. pretty fucking cool. I knew he looked familiar. But now there's two of them. Yeah. They both look familiar. These are my favorite kind of twins, too, because they did the uh, the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen thing, where instead of playing twins as children, they just played one role, but they did half the work each, which is fucking cool. So, um, and, and the Barbarian Brothers themselves are, are very much like the Olsen twins. Um, same intellect level, same musical acumen, uh, probably better fashion sense at the end of the day, but I don't see a lot of difference. <laughs> So here's my big question about this movie. Are they stealing Italian valor? Because <laughs> mm, <laughs> they're, they're playing the Falcones in this movie and they eat a lot of pasta. Oh, and spaghetti. they're opening a restaurant, an Italian restaurant. Are they Italian? I don't think they are. I don't know. Knows at this. They could be. They could, I, who's going who's gonna to take that? For? I'm not going to tell them they're not. They're huge. Look at them. Like, who's going to say who's no to them? Say? I mean, if they're going to steal Valor no, I'm from not anyone, stop them. the Italians, what are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah, what are they going to do about it? Also, they're going to get mad on the internet. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're they always, always do. They're always mad on the internet. If you call anything a pasta <laughs> carbonara, you're going to get a new butthole ripped out. You know what? Maybe they should have some stolen Valor. That's all I have to say. Yeah. All the all, Italians like, have ever done good for humanity is make giallo films. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's their greatest contribution. But no, like seriously, the New York Times wrote like they published a recipe for like smoky carbonara sauce. And then all of Italian Twitter was just like, oh, what are you doing? Ah!" They're very, very upset about the whole thing. It's it's not carbonara if the mommy didn't make it. You know, Mm. that's that's it. Yeah, but there's only one. And we just have to find the ultimate Italian mom and. It's hers. I just kept watching this, and you know, you know the the part in in Goodfellas where he's making like the pasta sauce or whatever, and he's just talking about the sauce, but also like kind of like sweating out cocaine and worried about the feds coming. I was just thinking about that, but he's <laughs> dumping Dr Pepper in the giant pasta <laughs> sauce pot. <laughs> That's so good, and like I'm also kind of intrigued to try it. I'm gonna be so, I know right, I want right, to do so it. <laughs> I've I've I have a recipe for sloppy joes that uses Dr Pepper or Diet Coke, whatever oh. you're, you know. And it is quite tasty. So yeah, I have a pot roast episode. That uh, episode, I have a pot roast uh, <laughs> recipe. So on our next podcast, <laughs> we're doing a pot roast episode. So they, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised because at one point they like make they make a bunch of Italian food because they they want to make a rest they want to open a restaurant. And they make make a bunch of Italian food because they're great cooks. Um, and they end up they don't they don't get it because guess what when you go to a bank and you you force feed the man <laughs> your food as collateral it doesn't work. 
incredibly enough. So they end up giving all their food away to the homeless. And one of, well, one of the homeless people says that it's like the best lasagna they've ever had. I do wonder if creatine might not be the secret <laughs> ingredient in all of their cuisine. Yeah. Give it that little kick, that little texture, <laughs> a little grit, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, the, the salt shakers at the restaurant are just going to be filled with, like, pre-workout. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the meal, you're just, like, sweating. Yeah. You, have to, you have to eat the rich, not feed them. Mm. <laughs> yeah so so it was okay l- the, the layout of this movie if you're listening you're like what 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 should i expect from twin sitters okay so, oh. so no it's a this is a kid's movie it has to be a kid's movie well. it can't be for anyone else <laughs> it, it has to it's it's like it's about two big men a family friendly movie that's family, a stretch yeah, family friendly this, family is, this is a, sure. a steve friendly movie yeah <laughs> I don't know. Like it's it's one of those movies that like I feel like you know parents could endure and children might genuinely enjoy. And I'm with Steve. I I personally I'm more drawn to Double Trouble, but I think this is actually pretty solid entertainment. I was oh. again amazed that this this is actually a pretty fun movie. It's dumb as shit though. My they God. drive a monster truck. Come on, like that's so good. <laughs> How can you not love this movie? <laughs> they literally drive a fucking... What else are the Barbarian Brothers going to drive? They, they can't drive anything else. It's, it's true. It, it is a great example of the cinematic principle known as Chekhov's monster truck, which states <laughs> that if you introduce a monster truck in the first act, in act three, it will drive over some cars, <laughs> uh, which does happen. So this is back... This was made in 1994, so when, when American pickup truck design was still sensible as compared to 2021. So they had to have something a little bit more fitting for the the Barbarian Brothers. So they have the most ostentatious monster muscle truck uh, cinema has ever seen. These dudes can open a restaurant, but they run a fucking monster truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, when I looked up at the screen and saw that happening, and I was just like, wait, when they were at the bank and asked if they had collateral, they said they didn't have a car. Well, they do, but they're making yeah, they're payments. They're making payments. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're making payments, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if I was gonna if I was gonna do like a, a Barbarian Brothers reboot in 2021, definitely would bring back the monster truck. But is so you get the one surviving Barbarian brother, you get like a clone, like um, like a like a hologram thing, you know, like they did with did Tupac. Did we hire Kanye West for the hologram? Because I was actually yes. about to ask Max if we could hire Kanye West to get a Max hologram for the wedding, so I can marry two Maxes. Oh wow! See. That that would be great. So yeah, we're gonna get Kanye to do the hologram, and then for the for the monster truck, we gotta up we gotta update it because for it's for a new generation. So it's a Tesla Cyber Truck on giant tires. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's what I want to see, Steve. Okay, personally, I think we've we've sadly lost a barbarian brother. We need to replace him mm-hmm. desperately. America is crying. It's weeping. It needs two barbarian brothers. <laughs> we need to have a reality talent television series to oh. find a replacement barbarian brother, just like uh, Journey did with their lead singer. Oh, fuck yeah. Same America's principle. next beefcake. I love it. <laughs> yeah, only way to do it. We need to have a national televised talent competition. Be my barbarian the on the CW. There you go. Oh, I love it. Love would it. Would you not tune in every week religiously to watch that show? Oh, hell yeah, I would. I just, I love that. Like, and it's, but you you basically have to set it up like RuPaul's Drag Race, but it's just beefcake idiot men. And, but it's the same thing. Like, it's like you have acting challenges, singing challenges. You have to lift heavy things. It'd be great. <laughs> 
you have you have to shout a certain number of syllables, you know, over a distance. You have to be able to be heard over a certain number of distance, maybe across a lake yeah. or something. You know, everything has to be big in this. Uh, you you mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race, and I think this is a good point to mention that um, one of them in this wears what appears to be a fetish cop outfit is the oh. best. I, I don't understand. He looks it like looks anime. like leather, but it's got like a <laughs> cop hat, and then the rest of it is like weird leather stuff going on very confusing in a children's movie particularly uh, i don't know if anyone has any further insights into that outfit max what anime did you compare it to like you- oh it's like they're dressed like jojo's bizarre adventures characters <laughs> yes they are <laughs> that, which is a, a series of just um flamboyantly dressed himbos like posing at each other and fighting so it's yeah, that, that fits in. It's great. <laughs> these uh, these outfits are. This is incredible. I mean, we talk about like so how good. they're so good. You know, like we talk about how fashion forward some of the things the Barbarian Brothers were wearing, but here they're on another level. Okay, it's 1994, and we're gonna make it to 2024, and the world has not caught up with what the Barbarian Brothers are wearing in this film. Just beautiful stuff. This occurs for me because I mean we make fun of like. Later, later era Steven Seagal, it's like he clearly was so, dis, you know, so lazy in his movies. He would wear his own clothes on set and it would just be like, and what it would result is in like, you know, around if you start watching Seagal's movies in like the early 2000s, there's like scenes where they're doing like military briefings and everyone's in military fatigues and he's just wearing like a fucking like fringed like jacket with like a snake on the back of it or whatever. <laughs> and sunglasses. To Steven Seagal. Yeah, Steven Seagal doesn't want to change his clothes, and that's that's why that's happening. The Barbarian Brothers are also, I think, pretty certainly making their own calls on the costume department, but they are bringing their A-game. They are elevating every scene they're in. There is nothing in this movie that you're looking at it going like, oh, they really phoned it in there. No. Absolutely not. There is no phone in existence through which you could describe what they're wearing. You just have to watch this film and just sit back and bask in it. And it's on YouTube. They have distinct styles too, which is the best part. Mm -hmm. Like one of them is like crop tops and like a whole bunch of tied bandanas. And then there's the shirt. And then when they're at the gym, there's the onesie that's striped to work out in. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. I, I hate to bring it up, but did one of them have work done like, plastic surgery one of them looks like he maybe had a little bit done in this movie i don't know which one i i'm not yeah that he looks like he like had his cheeks raised and his lips done yeah but just one yeah. of them yeah. he's yeah. like I, I don't look like a caveman enough i need to be more caveman-esque <laughs> in my daily appearance i need that chromagnum so, brow yep and boy did they deliver yep. now before before we wrap this up um uh, we the one thing about, we, like wait, wait wait we didn't even talk about this movie it's even about <laughs> yeah, it's basically it doesn't twins. Matter. I mean, it's yeah, a movie that's kind of secondary by the fact twins exist. It if is. If you've never heard of twins, check this movie out. It will teach <laughs> you about them. it. Does like the the Barbarian Brothers' own parents in this movie? There's a, there's a whole bit where they're sitting at the dinner table and the mom's just like, "Wow, honey, can you believe it? They're twins!" And the dad's like, "Yeah, Agnes, I know, twinny twin twin." And then uh, it, it really is. They're, they're obsessed with it. But I guess and they uh, babysit twins, and then in the end, the most black filled <laughs> twins I've ever seen. <laughs> 
also bologna and peanut butter sounds deli- sounds disgusting like yeah I'm sorry yep. that's true that's the only thing they eat these like prissy twigs i to honestly describe the plot of this is extreme so essentially there is uh, again a polluter just like there was in uh think big with with toxic waste there's a polluter and he's trying to kill a guy who i guess is informing on him or something so uh, he's at risk and the American government can't provide him with enough protection. So uh, they try and kill him and they try and kill him with three of the most inept hitmen who try and kill him in a park, in a, like, in a public park. And they walk towards him with shotguns and they fuck it up terribly because they're awful at their jobs. But the Barbarian brothers happen to be there and they rescue a bunch of children mm-hmm. in the crossfire. And so from this, the man determines that the Barbarian brothers are the best people at protecting children. Yeah. So while he's going to testify to this guy, he has children who are twins, twin boys... Right? Not even he his, needs them his, protected. Yeah, there's nephews. That's why nephews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's he's not gonna let them go. So he hires the Barbarian Brothers. Barbarian Brothers, meanwhile, right, want to open a restaurant, but they can't get money because they're too busy funding all their cash to a monster truck, which I think we can all relate to. <laughs> so they so they're offered five thousand dollars to basically, I think, a day to to babysit these twins for a week to protect them. And they're like, sure, because they think it's just a regular babysitting gig, but they don't realize these kids are possibly going to be targeted by the evil pollution guy. And sure enough, that's what happens. We haven't even got into the fact that they have a sexy tutor who shows up. That's what I want to talk about. They both love her equally, and it's beautiful. But also, they sit in in class and do the homework with the Why do they do that? There's no reason for them to be students in her class, but they show up. Name a more wholesome, incestuous, polyamorous relationship on screen. Because I can't. (laughs) It's it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's it's great. Like if you, if you want a if you want a family friendly film about two fashionable beefcakes who both want to fuck their kids that they're babysitting's teacher, um, this is great. But they don't they don't even try and fuck her. They're super like people. Tr- a, a woman tries to fuck them. There's a maid who just like pops her titties out and she's like, oh, look at you, little barbarian brothers. I love uh, muscles. Yeah, and they're like, no, we're wholesome. They take the kids. And the teacher to the carnival, they have a great time. Everybody wins like a bunch of stuffed animals and they kiss her on the cheek. That's it. It is it is, it is such a such a decision to make a movie and cast two beautiful women in it mm. and then have the two men just both go with the same woman. Like that is balls for for <laughs> scripting. And and she's into it. She's just like, okay, sure. I two mean, of them. Why not? Speaking as a nerdy woman, if two beefcakes were into me at the same time, yeah, I would definitely date both of them if they were okay with it. Oh hell yeah! It's true, and and you can double up on your carnival prizes. She wins two <laughs> giant stuffed teddy bears. I'd never have to change a tire again in my life. Oh. <laughs> they could carry the car home. Yeah, I mm-hmm. probably never have to walk again. Should we get Eiffel Towered while reading Hemingway aloud with as much enthusiasm as oh, any high yeah. school student? If I'm getting Eiffel Tower and my mouth will be busy, Max. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, a threesome a threesome with the Barbarian Brothers. They would just be shouting at each other through the whole thing. <laughs> just just <laughs> 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 It's a Barbarian Brother busting alone. <laughs> They've just been doing that the whole time, so I feel like I would constantly be having to ask, like, are you finished? Are you done? <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, you'll know. They <laughs> <laughs> come so violently, you just get shot across the room, like stuck just, to the wall. Just blast into the drywall. And again, yes. again, this content is in the most family-oriented of all of the films. It's oh, really yeah. setting up the, like, the bar bro muscle sandwich threesome, which is, again... I, they don't have a writing credit, but I feel like the Barbarian Brothers weighed in heavily on the creative oh, process. They, they, have a, they have a producer 100%. credit. So, yep. oh, see, there you go. There you go. All right, that's it. That's mystery solved. But I do like how at the end of the movie, they do specify that they have two separate individual private dates with her. One of, yeah. them, one of them is tonight and one of them is tomorrow. Which, like, you're running a restaurant. You probably shouldn't be taking nights off to go on dates right when you open. But I digress. Yeah, that's okay. It's all right. And the, and the restaurant they open is great, too, because the number one thing that this movie teaches us is twins are fun. Okay? So when they, they, they save the children... From the evil mobsters, and they open their restaurant. What's that? Played by George Lazenby (laughs) of James Bond fame. Exactly. There's a Bond tie in here. And then they open a restaurant with, it's staffed by all twins and triplets. So there's just twins everywhere. It's great. Yeah. The the finale of this film involves them doing a daring, uh, like, seaside rescue on, like, a (laughs) docked ship. Uh, and for some of they're like, we're going to call in some favors or some backup. And their backup is like a bunch of other twins. They have Kung Fu twins and burly African guy twins, like 90s African stereotype twins. It's an incredible feat of cinema. It's, it's such an amazing thing. And they're doing all of this to rescue twins. It's just such a just a lifting up of the whole... The, the whole concept of fraternity. There are no women twins. There's women tw- triplets, I guess, in the end. That's just a sight gag, though. Uh, you know, that's dismissive, honestly. They should have given them more screen time. But for the whole rescuing thing, just just twin guys just having a blast. Yeah, guys being dudes. Beautiful. Well, and, and honestly, it, just like any good, wholesome family film, it ends with George Lazenby getting shot and then uh, the boat that he's on explodes and he dies and is blown into a million pieces, right? So uh, classic, classic film. <laughs> the explosion's a weirdly big explosion for this. This movie looks like it was shot for like not a lot of money. And then yeah. the last shot is like a huge explosion with stuntmen jumping. And I'm like, how, like that just looks like they stole it from another movie, but I don't think they did. I, maybe they just did something really unsafe. Maybe the, special effects guy just like bought like budget amounts of explosives like twice as much as they could have afforded <laughs> it's huge it's insane yeah yeah i don't know max what do you think like I, i'm pretty sure that most of this movie looks like it was just shot at maybe the executive producer's house that that yeah. was my guess yeah i feel like most of the budget for this movie went to the costuming for the for the barbarian brothers um <laughs> not from their personal collection <laughs> but overall like it's it's entertaining yeah this, this is a good yeah, one. I think good chance the Barbarian Brothers use their movies to finance their, their dressing. That we that I hadn't thought about that, but that's that's clever. Yeah. I, as far as kids' movies go, like I, I don't have any plans on procreating, but if I had a kid, this is the only movie I'd let him watch, so <laughs> 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 nothing else, Junior. It's Barbros or nothing. Hit the weights. <laughs> no, no screen time, only barbarian time. <laughs> oh my god. All right. 
Uh, well, we got we got to wrap this up. We're about to hit our. Uh... Wait, you didn't? Did I do? Did we do fashion sexy? Oh level? my god! How can we miss that? This is the most like fashionable sexy movie I've ever seen. I am so sorry, Claire. My mistake. It's okay. Fashion level, sexy level. Where are we at with this one? Uh, I would say we're we're pretty close to uh, to being tied with the previous movie. Uh, I think it goes along with how much I enjoy the movies. The, this one and the other one were my were my two favorites. Uh, with the number one's fashions. Uh, this one, the fringed leather jacket and the onesie really bring it all together for me. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, just seeing those muscles trapped in lycra. Uh, it's a good it's a good look. A little less sexy just because there's all those kids there, which I'm not super into. Yeah, uh, there's there's no suits, which is also a bummer. So I'll give this like a nine on the on the fashion and a nine on the sexy as opposed to a ten and a ten. It sounds good. That sounds good. My favorite fashion moment from all the movies was actually in this. And it's when one of the Barbarian Brothers, he's wearing like a hat, but it's more of like a wrap around his head. Um, Like, you know, sort of like a Maya Angelou number. And, you know, those you probably had one when you were like eight years old, but it's it's like a plastic bird. And it has a piece of metal in, in the in the tip of its little bird beak. And then you can balance it like on on the tip of your finger or on the edge of something and it looks like it should fall down but it doesn't it just kind of balances and he's got one of those just taped to his head wrap and i thought that's the best thing i've ever seen so (laughs) really great stuff also the makeover scene in this one is top oh when they they make the mini barbarians yeah Yeah. i feel like i didn't give that enough credit i love any sort of cheesy 2000s movie with or 90s movie with a with a makeover scene, uh, especially involving twins. I feel like a lot of the Mary Kate and Ashley movies had those, and I, maybe that's my basis for how much I love them. But mm-hmm. I I I love a makeover montage. Love yeah, it. love it. Love and it, this, love it. you know what? If if you like Kindergarten Cop and you want twice the fun, this is the movie for you. Uh, if you like George Lazenby or, or James Bond, uh, sure, this is the movie for you. If you love the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen detective films from the 90s, you probably love this. And if you love great music like the Mary Kate and Ashley song about pizza, uh, the Barbarian Brothers deliver equally wonderful tunes. So a lot of crossover here if that if those are where your yeah. interests lie. So just throwing it out there. All right, guys. So uh, it's it's time to do putovers. So let's start with Max. Max, what are you putting over this week? Uh this week, I'm going to put over two two albums I've been listening to uh, pretty frequently since I got a hold of them. The first is As the Love Continues by Mogwai, a recent album they put out by the Scottish post-rock group. It's probably one of their best albums in the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. It's, uh, it's a banger. I've been listening to it on repeat as I've been uh, cooking and stuff. As well, I have also been listening to the new album from... Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Uh, it's called Carnage, which came out, I believe, a week or so ago. Uh, not the full Bad Seeds uh, grouping because of you know pandemic and shit, but uh, lot, lots of great, lots of great songs by uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. So if you like either of those groups, check them out. All right, sounds good. Claire, what are you putting over this week? I don't know. I feel kind of boring, but nothing I've been think worthy of a put over lately has been very recent. But I. Also, I'm going to plug some albums, and that is when I was at Target, I found the like definitive hits collection from Boys to Men on vinyl, and it's Ooh. like this really pretty translucent purple vinyl, so you know I've been bumping a whole lot of Boys to Men in my bedroom. Uh, I mean, it's pandemic, so what can you do, but it's been yeah. sexy regardless. <laughs> Just vibing on that Motown Philly. Vibing uh. on the Motown Philly. <laughs> End of the road, one sweet oh. day. Oh, so good. 
the hits keep coming. Uh, Jack, I'm guessing you're going to put over the same thing, right? Oh, yeah, all, always. Yeah, boys to men, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put over uh, very stick close the Optimism Vaccine brand, uh, which, as we all know, is basically like Jean Roland, Jess Franco, just guys making artsy movies full of naked ladies mm-hmm. and sometimes making hardcore porn. Uh, I'm going to add to that list with Claude Moulot, Malot, Malo, I don't know, he's French. However, you know, just <laughs> attach words as you or letters as you see fit. Uh, I just watched recently his last film. He died very young for some reason. Uh, but his last film, Knife Under the Throat from 1986, uh, really entertaining movie, kind of like a little bit of a De Palma vibe, but basically it's, it's your classic tale of a bunch of uh, women who get naked a lot, getting killed by a guy. Um almost brushes up against the real world questions of male obsession and violence, but then kind of chickens out at the end. But a really stylish, interesting, kind of like really great looking movie, which only recently came out in Blu-ray in France. And I think you can, uh, if you want to buy it from France, you can, but if you look online, you can you can find HD copies of it. Uh, stars Brigitte Lahaye, who, as we all know from Jean Roland, one of France's great icons of uh, pornography and also very good movies. Um, those never seem to overlap as much in America, but in France they kind of work their stuff out a little better. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Knife Under the Throat by by Claude Malot. It's it's really it's it's pretty entertaining. It's sleazy as shit. Um, might offend some people, but uh, give it a go. Give it a go. Well, last week I think you put over like yeah. an actual hardcore porn. So uh, this is a yes, little, little more. I've been tame. watching a lot of, of questionable French content <laughs> of recent. <laughs> you know that that I, look. I'm not going to lie. The, the the gay hardcore porno I watched earlier this month is like one of the best films I've seen in the last <laughs> couple of months. It's really great. Uh, so yeah, check that one out too. Check back on our our records for that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, since you guys put over some albums, I, I think I'm going to I don't have any porn to put over. So I'm going to stick in the music theme, I suppose. Uh, Blank Mass just put out a new album and it's really oh. fucking good. It's called uh, In For No. It's um, it's not their last album from 2017. Kind of. Or no, I think they had another one in 2019. But those they just sort of broke up the tracks into like little five minute uh, songs. This is just two like 20 minute mega songs, essentially. Uh, but it's great. It sounds like someone so took the a the Barbarian Brothers of an album. It is. It is. You, you expect <laughs> like a lot of little guys, but you get two really big guys instead. Put that um, shit it basically into my sounds. Veins. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It sounds like uh, like a John Carpenter soundtrack inside of a cement mixer. So absolutely wonderful. You fantastic shit. My aesthetic. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm, I'm fanning myself over here, Steve. Oh my god, is that, wait, is that Max? Save it for our wedding, Max. <laughs> wait, hold on, this is Max. <laughs> That's Max listening to the new Blank Mass album. Um, also, the Melvins put out a new album, which usually isn't a big deal, because the Melvins are constantly putting out a new album. The reason why this is kind of a big deal is because it's their original lineup from like 1983, they finally got their their drummer to take two weeks off from his corporate job and record a record. <laughs> and it's fun because it's not the usual like kind of I don't know. Like, Melvins have never been super serious, but there's like a, a real like heaviness and, and darkness to what they do. And this is not that at all. Uh, the album opens up with it's not a Beach Boys cover. We're going to call it a Beach Boys reimagining. But it's I get around by the Beach Boys, but they change the lyrics to I fuck around. 
Uh, and it's great. It's good. So listen to the Mel- new Melvin's record. Listen to Blank Mass record. Everything's wonderful. Other than that, uh, Max, what do, you, what do you got to plug, man? Plug your uh, shit. Yeah, check out Good Brews, Bad Views. Uh, it's March when you're listening to this, so we're doing a whole bunch of kaiju-themed episodes to lead up to Godzilla vs. Kong, which I'm sure is going to be uh, entertaining, maybe. I don't know. But uh, so, look, so look forward <laughs> to that. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. You know, leaving us a rating review. We're on all the usual social media pages. Just search PBBB Podcast or Good Brews, Bad Views and uh all that jazz we have a discord where we hang out and watch stupid shit and whatever it's 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 all a good time so it's a good time i'm i'm fully back in fully back in the podcast uh claire what, what do you got to plug uh, like i said i mostly glom on to other people's podcasts so i guess uh listen to the episodes of podcasts that i'm on so i can be pressured to come back on to do more things regardless um if you like crafts like food earrings that I am now obsessively making because quarantine gives me anxiety brain. Uh, I have an Etsy, which is posted on my Instagram and my Twitter, but it's anxietweed. Let me know if you want me to make you something. Today I made a whole bunch of wild berry Pop-Tarts, and I'm really proud of them. There you go. You want want some chili Coney Dog earrings? She's got you. She'll make that happen for you. Yeah, that's good shit. Um... Other than that, hey, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. There's a couple of links in the description. And the first thing you need to do, if you have not done it yet, is uh, click over to our iTunes page. And when you're there, you can give us a five-star written review. And why would you do such a thing? That's a great question. Well, one, it takes like three seconds. What the fuck? Just do it. Two, it helps our visibility. So if we have written reviews, particularly of the five-star variety, it, it helps people discover the podcast, and then more people listen, and then everything gets better for everyone, really. The second link will lead you to our Patreon, and it is a a wonderful time to be a patron of Optimism Vaccine. Not only for the low, low price of just $3 can you get access to a huge backlog of content, there's new shit coming, and in March, if you become an Optimism Vaccine subscriber, I'm going to fucking mail you a movie. That's right. That's right. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it doesn't matter what tier you choose. I'm going to, from my my personal collection, I'm going to send you something. No, you don't get to know what it is. No, you don't get to be like, oh, Steve, could I have the... It could be a DVD. It could be a Blu-ray. It could be a box set. It could be a, a like a VHS tape with home movies of me, three years old, running around my dick out, that I call the cops on you. How about that? Um, really, the, the possibilities are endless, so... Throw us a couple bucks, we'll send you some shit in the mail. That's fucking cool. If you want to go to a higher level, you could be at at the next level and, hey, you get a shout out. You could be the next Dustin. You could be the next Paula. You could have your name announced on the air. How great does that sound, Max? Does that sound good to you? That sounds quite amazing. Even better than the mystery box of media. (laughs) Yeah, and you still get the mystery box, too. Or you could be a real boss-ass motherfucker, and you could go up to that highest level, okay? The little Lord Fantleroy level, where you're just giving us that fat stack of cash. And when you do that, you get to actually choose content, okay? You get to tell us what we do for a show. Anything you want, we got to do it, okay? It's great. And you could even you could even specify people you want on the show. One of my favorite pastimes is making Sean Glynis watch things that make him uncomfortable. <laughs> you could share in that joy with me if you so choose to. It's totally an option. So fucking do it. Just do it. You're getting free shit in the mail. It's great. Become an Optimism Vaccine Patreon subscriber. We love the free shit, folks. Who knows what you'll get? Possibilities are endless. Uh, other than that, normally we have Jake say the last word, but Jake's not here. So 
Claire, I'm going to give you the last word today. So what's the last word? Now I'm anxious. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, dude.